Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 17. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us this Friday. Steelers Nation, Dave, it is officially football season September 1st. I woke up today. It was like 50 degrees. It feels like fall, just like that. We're out of August, a great month of August for the team and for the site. So thank you to everyone who supported the site over the past month and looking to make this a great September. Dave, how you doing? Doing great. The weather has changed here as well, too. A lot of rain uh, in Vegas right now as we speak, raining outside right now. But uh, usually around the next couple weeks, the weather starts to change here, starts getting a little touch of We get all those 100 days, 100 days of 100, we like to call Mm. it, uh, out out here. So that's coming to an end. So, yeah, football season, couple of couple of uh well one really entertaining game last night uh, uh on the college college football uh, slate and uh and then the uh Utah obviously looks for real as they uh, handled Florida pretty easily there so big uh big weekend of college football on tap that I know we're both excited to maybe spend some time watching there and obviously uh rounding out the uh final kind of off week of the NFL, if you will, before a week from, I guess, last night, the NFL season gets underway. So exciting time. And we've got a lot to talk about today. And you forgot about the best game last night. It was the Idaho Vandals rolling Lamar in their FCS opener. The final was 42-17. Idaho number eight ranked FCS team in the country. So roll potatoes. Roll potatoes. All right, Dave, let's jump on and still have uh, not as much to talk about as the week's kind of slowed down a little bit. I think Pittsburgh is off these next couple of days, too, from practice. Not entirely sure, but things have calmed down a bit, although there's still plenty for us to discuss. Let's begin with the Pittsburgh Steelers new look 53 man roster. Officially, when we spoke Wednesday, the Desmond King signing was uh, reported, now officially announced by the team one year contract there. And they made their move to free up that space on the 53 uh, on the 53. Excuse me. That was made before the King uh, signing became officially official. But Pittsburgh, we we thought and appeared they were trying to trade punter Braden man that uh, ultimately did not occur. And he has been waived by the team. He went unclaimed uh, off waivers. We'll see if he ends up in Philadelphia, who still needs a punter. But Omar Khan trying to trade the punter just could not get the leverage to get a deal done. Yeah, I think, uh, and the fact that, you know, he was on a cheap contract and he went unclaimed off waivers. I mean, you would think if the Eagles, you know, wanted him uh, that bad and were, were in, in, in conversations to uh, get him, that they would have just plucked him off waivers there, unless maybe they're going to try to sign him to, I don't know, two or three year deal or something along those lines. But, uh, yeah, none of that ever materialized. I find that a little bit surprising overall, especially with the uh, this, the the decision that was made to hold on to two punters. I mean, we knew they weren't going to hold on to two punters uh, long, and maybe in the back of their head they said, "Well, look, you know, we got to have somebody hold uh, uh, th- this extra roster spot here while we work on get Desmond King in the door and all like that." So. Who knows the behind the scenes that went on there, but uh, man is now gone. Uh, Presley Harvin, uh, obviously the uh, the team's punter, 
and uh, the roster, uh, the 53-man roster, now not the original 53-man <laughs> roster. Well, look, I mean, what uh, you still got a full week to go before you know you have to uh, a little over a week before you have to fill fill the team in a uh, 53-man roster in week one and. I guess at this point, we'll see if that might change. I mean, they got a lot of defensive backs on this roster right now, don't they? They do. They have 11 DBs, seven corners, which is especially heavy. Not sure the last time they kept seven corners. Um, I mean, they initially kept seven receivers last year, but then went to six once Calvin Austin got put on IR to return after that initial 53 was set. Yeah, with punter. And I mentioned this Wednesday. I mean, I'm all for trying, but I think it's hard to have leverage because the Eagles can, you know, or whatever team can wait you out, knowing that you're going to release one of those guys sooner than later. You're not going to carry the two punters all the way up until, you know, this is the Saturday before the 49ers game. So, but somebody like Howie Roseman you're dealing with, you're trying to win that battle is going to be tough to do. He's, uh, you know, obviously really good at his job. So, you know, I can appreciate the attempt by Omar Khan, but I think it was an uphill battle to try to flip Brayton, man. Yeah. I mean, look, even if you could have got swapped sevenths or whatever for it, you know, uh, that, that, that's more than you had, uh, before there. So, uh, what does this make it now, uh, with, with Desmond King in the door, obviously, and, uh, who else was it uh, in the door after training camp started? What was it? Quan Alexander, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So that adds to the long list of historically once training camp or really once you get out of uh, mandatory mini camp that this team, you know, players continue, uh, continue to get added that end up making the 53 man roster. So uh it's 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 something that's almost next to impossible to to predict who those players will be, but it just goes to show you that the the uh, the ninety or you know the the ninety that this team carries through mandatory minicamp and ultimately on the way to a fifty three man roster there that inevitably a couple of players that are not with the team when the team breaks mandatory minicamp are going to end up on the fifty three. A tale as old as time for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're right. It's King and Alexander, and could somebody else get put on that list here? It's possible, but I think the 53... I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think they really truly carry seven corners into that Sunday game against him? I mean, they they won't all be active, I understand that, but will that be on, will that be the 53 seven corners for September 10th? I'm going to guess no. I think something else is happening here. Uh, just it, feel, it feels heavy. But uh, once again, who? I guess the bigger question would be is who would be your gunner if James Pierre's not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, Pierre's still the guy. And if they wanted to make a move, then maybe they would have made one by now. I mean, I'm not entirely sure if, what, what the weight would be if there's something else coming. So could they trade? Still- could they could they still try to trade a guy like you know, Shandon Sullivan or, 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 or something so. like that at this point. And it feels like it'd be, you know, looking at, and we'll get into this in a little bit when you look at kind of uh, Desmond King's tape and all like that, his best fit, you know, moving forward, it kind of feels like slot, you know, mm-hmm. in, inside would be his best fit there. And you've already got the likes of Riley and, 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 and obviously Sullivan and probably, you know, what does this mean to a guy like Patrick Peterson actually getting time inside now at this point? And also my, my gut and my gut's not been, my gut's been messed up kind of a little bit this off season. Cause you know, started off thinking that a guy like Montrevious Adams uh, might not make it. And uh, obviously uh, he did. And I, I don't know, but, but my gut tells me that 
we still might see at least one more change on this 53 and potentially at corner. That's fair. And it's possible. I mean, they have four guys who can play in the slot and King and Sullivan and Riley. And I, I still believe Patrick Peterson will kick inside in those more obvious passing situations and dime packages. So that, that seems excessive for what the team needs right now. Um, you know, does that mean that they're going to make a change once that first injury occurs or will it be before week one? I don't know, but certainly on paper, it feels one guy too heavy, especially in the slot. As the 53 sit, and obviously we got time to, but just as a quick exercise real quick, what does your inactive five look like right now? Obviously, Mason Rudolph's going to be one of those uh, guys. You would think potentially Gunnar Olszewski would be one of those guys. Mm -hmm. So that's two. Dylan Cook, Uh, I think, is the odd man out along the O-line. Dylan Cook, so that's three, at least one corner. So let's call that. I don't know what Shannon Sullivan. Sullivan right now. So that's yep. four and then one defensive lineman, right? Potentially. Yeah, so, Watts uh, or louder milk. Uh, potentially louder milk there. So that, that at least the way this is shaping up right now seems to be your, and you know, we don't know what injuries might happen this week and sure. maybe you need to elevate a guy, but uh, that, that certainly uh, seems like it would be a good guess as we sit here right now. Elevations are a consideration. I think a lot of teams are kind of using that as a loophole right now in terms of, you know, kickers. The 49ers may do that with their kicker situation, may see a former Steeler in week one, a couple of them, obviously, in Hargrave and and, and the like. But they signed Matthew Wright because they got some injured kickers. So if you had to guess, it's it's a very such a specific question so early. But who gets the hat, Loudermoke or Watts? I think Watts does. I think Loudermoke does. Okay, it's this this run oriented. 49ers team but could go either way so we'll see um let's talk practice squad now so on wednesday when we spoke the team was you know just getting ready to fill out its practice squad and go through all the waiver claims they did not claim at least they did not were not awarded any players uh off of waivers they did lose one tanner muse to the Chargers. we can maybe mention that here in a second but let me pull up the uh practice squad as it sits here today and it's been slowly added to and will continue to be added to over the next couple of days but officially announced by the team I'm just going to read them in order in the way that I have it written right now. Offensive tackle, Kellen Dyche. Uh, offensive guard, Joey Fisher. Running back, Greg Bell. Wide receiver, Des Fitzpatrick. Wide, rece- wide receiver, Simi Fahoko. Tight end, Rodney Williams. Defensive lineman, Braden Fahoko. Defensive lineman, Jonathan Marshall. Outside linebacker, David Perales. Cornerback, Anthony Brown. Cornerback, Luke Barku. Cornerback, uh, Josiah Scott. And safety, Trent- Trenton Thompson. And so there were a couple of outsiders, as there typically are in, in Dyche. In uh, Fisher and the other Fahoko, Simi Fahoko is the cousin of Braden Fahoko and Anthony Brown, former Cowboy, and Josiah Scott, who was with the Eagles last season. So the other guys were all in camp with the team. Uh, no major surprises from the internal, you know, guys that were in camp, but some of the outsiders are some, you know, fairly notable names. Yeah, uh, boy, that's a lot of <laughs> when you look at the eleven, what, the eleven defensive backs you have on. On the fifty-three, yeah. and, you and throw- a bunch of slot corners there too. Scott's a slot corner. I think Brown plays in the slot, right? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, they're going. That might be. I don't know if that's another sign that one of these guys might be gone. You know, sure. uh, from 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 the fifty-three there. Uh, Fisher, a phys- physical uh, uh, guard, what out of Shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. Pisac represent D two. 
Right. We had a uh, had a profile him on, on him uh, from from the draft cycle, and then uh, uh, Kellen. Uh, uh, how do you pronounce it? Deesh. I'm not sure. Deesh. 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 Uh, big boy, right? You know. Uh, well, he lacks uh, the length. He's got those T-Rex arms. Yeah, uh, but I mean, tall overall, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, like six seven. And I think a little light in the pants too. Isn't he like two ninety eight or so? Is he the one that's like two ninety? Yeah, he was kind of an awkward body type where he's really tall, kind of more of a leaner frame. Really good athlete, but sub thirty three inch arms for a six seven tackle, which is just a, it's just an interesting profile overall. Well, maybe one of them guys can help him eat at lunch in the cafeteria <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, and you know, I know a lot of people were worried about Braden Fajoko and all like that, clearing waivers and and that kind of thing. And obviously, he did. And now he's on the practice squad there. So, I mean, not not you know, and Rodney Williams, we've talked a lot about him. I kind of wondered if he might make the fifty three. And uh, Josiah Scott stuff, uh, uh, what a former Eagle, right? So there's a a little bit of a link there. Did you mention uh, uh, the guys that ha- uh, the guy that hadn't been announced yet, Tariq Carpenter? No, I was going to get to him. Yeah, the one name that's been reported but not officially announced by the team is this was late last night. Tariq Carpenter, former seventh round pick of the Packers, he was a safety at Georgia Tech. I remember watching him at the Senior Bowl when they first started to move him to an uh, off-ball inside linebacker position, and he was getting some work there that week. So. Uh, that's not been officially announced, but we assume that's going to be announced here you know, within the next day or two. Okay, and assuming he is uh, made official, to me, I, I think if my count's right there, that would lead two open practice squad spots right now. Yep, correct. So they're at 14 with Carpenter, so they're going to add, I'm not sure, positions or anybody else. I mean, you kind of think they're going to be outsiders. If they were guys that were on this roster in the summer, they probably would have been brought back by now unless someone was really trying to wait their time to, to look what else was was available so um no kenny robinson being signed that's mm. maybe a surprise there you know trenton thompson i was happy to get back on the practice squad thought he had a good summer of mid-camp ad uh, trey norwood he's still a free agent he may be trying to weigh some other 53 type options but uh yeah i thought kenny robinson would have you know been part of this group and it does not appear he will be and yeah, especially with two wide receivers now on there, where are they light at on the practice squad? Where could they, where could they use another, uh, maybe another safety, right? Potentially. Yeah, potentially. I mean, they have now a fifth inside linebacker with Tariq Carpenter, uh, maybe another edge rusher. Cause you figure, you know, Watt may get the occasional day off. Marcus Golden will be in the same boat. They do have Paralis on there. So hard to say for sure. Um, you know, maybe maybe another inside linebacker or outside linebacker or something like that. Uh, what about a backup center? <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because uh, the two linemen they've signed are not really center capable. So, I mean, you have three guys to get you through a practice, I suppose, and obviously Cole and Herbig and Anderson, but a center makes sense as well. All right, so that should round out here in the next couple of days. And if that doesn't happen while we're on this podcast, we'll pass it along on the next one. All right. Sounds good there. And yeah, just uh, from a waiver standpoint, uh, Pittsburgh losing Tanner Muse to the Chargers. That was the one uh, Steeler who was waived that was claimed uh, by another team. And so just want to note that Muse. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just surprised they're a little light at linebacker, eight linebackers total. Um, is is Kwiatkowski going to come back? There was kind of an initial report that he was going to you know, sign back and it, it's yet to be announced by the team. Yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to watch and see it play out for sure. I, I don't know which way they're going to go with that. 
All right, where do you want to go from here, Dave? Uh, let's talk about, How about Gunner. Uh, Gunner, yeah. So I figured we we wanted to dive into that. So we're still gathering details on this. This, this conversation will probably need to be revisited and updated at some point. But reportedly, there's been, I believe, as Field Yates termed it, a restructuring contract. But we don't know all the details. I don't want to speak out of turn, so I'm going to pass the baton to you and let you run with whatever you have on Gunnar Olszewski's contract. And back to you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, folks. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing other than what's out there uh, right now. Where supposedly, uh, supposedly his his you know contract restructured uh, down from his original cap hit of two point six one seven five million. Uh, Yates says it's now two point oh two six million. You know me and my math. Uh, and always liking to have the particulars on these kind of things. I, uh, this has not hit the NFLPA side yet. Uh, check with former agent, uh, Joel Corey. He says he doesn't have anything on it yet. I, I, I plugged it into the Excel sheet and, and tried to come up with every kind of plausible way to do this, take his salary down to the minimum, add a void year, maybe add two void years, uh, try to finagle, uh, uh, you know, if somehow they were able to make this a veteran benefit deal, looked into the four-year benefit uh, rule, uh, all of it. And I come up with a big blue Tarski there, uh, zero. Uh, I, I, I don't know what happened here other than, what's being reported out there. Now it will come out in the wash at some point here in the next couple of days. We'll find out, but it, 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 it's odd in the fact of other than maybe a potential straight pay cut for 591,500. Uh, that's the only way I can look at this right now, but even so why him, why that, why, why that amount, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's not like this. I mean, uh, some, some people say, well, 2 million is way too much for him anyway, but, uh, okay. If, if you feel that way, the, the, the lowest you could take his salary down to is $1.08 million there. It just, it's, it's odd. <laughs> so, uh, it, maybe it'll seem less odd to me here in a couple of days, but that's all, you know, that's all. Back to you, Alex. <laughs> Thank you for the baton passing back to me. Yeah, obviously, I defer to you. I don't want to say something inaccurate, but whenever I saw that and just based off of my more limited knowledge of the cap, I think it's a pay cut. I don't know what else it could be if not a pay cut. Pittsburgh, you know, besides that 2020 pandemic exception, they don't use voidable years in contracts. There's no future money or future years on this contract where you can push that money towards. And why would you want to do that anyway? So I the only thing I'm left with is is a pay cut for Gunnar Olszewski. But why that amount? You know, to, uh, why not take them down to like an even number, something that's that's you know, because usually they like to work in more even numbers. Anyway, it's just uh, very. It was it was very odd. A it was odd. I had to check make sure that was really Phil Yates when uh, <laughs> when it, when it popped up. And second, like I said, I tried to play with all the numbers. I I I, I could get the the math to work the way the Steelers normally do things. So uh, it will be interesting. And once again, we'll, we'll pass this along. I, I should have that. I would think by hopefully by Monday and we'll pass that along. Yeah. Um, will you, will the numbers from the NFL PA be able to tell you 
what happened or will you have to kind of dig through and talk to some people to find out exactly what mechanism or what Pittsburgh's doing with the contract to arrive at this reduced number? Yeah, look, all I get is the number move, uh, the number under or, you know, under the cap drops by X amount. And then it shows the number of players uh, under contract and all like that. So you're working and that's, that's part of the joy of why I like doing this because it, you really have to stay in tune with what's been, what's been, what's already hit, what hasn't hit, because you're just working off of one master number uh, here. So, in other words, I, I would I would think this next number would include the gunner restructure. So, in other words, the Steelers should gain X. You know, uh, this the previous update versus this next update should show an increase of. Assuming he's the only move that goes in on that day, because that that's what tends to happen. Sometimes these moves end up being, you know, one update will include like four moves in it, right. and then you have to have in your head what likely happened. Look, it it it's not hard to figure out with some of this stuff that the Steelers do because you already have a good idea because because a report might already be out there what the contract is and 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 all like that. So that that makes it the kind of uh, the fun game of trying to keep up with, okay, well, this, this jump in cap space or this decrease in cap space was these four moves, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So all I'm going to get initially is, uh, either the, 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 the cap number increased or, or, uh, or decreased, you know, uh, how, you know, gain room or lost room. So I'm still going to be at the mercy of, you know, an, an, an insider that has NFLPA access. So okay. Joe, Joe Corey will get that to me. All right, we'll be hopefully up, be able to update you for Monday show or Wednesday show sometime here soon because I know it's gonna it's gonna bug both of us, you more than me, but it's gonna bug both of us. You know, waiting to find out what's happening with Gunner. And here's the other thing: right now, they still officially, I think, are working under the rule of fifty-one until like Tuesday at four or something like that. I think so. Uh, but I mean, all my numbers, the 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 latest NFLP eight update sheet this morning uh, matches my numbers through the setting of the original 53 and then okay. obviously uh the the uh desmond king move and then the gunner thing happened uh since then and but i mean we'll, we'll be able to decipher it and we do not have the official contract for desmond king yet correct right but uh just guessing that's probably going to end up being a better i my my guess is that's going to be a veteran benefit contract with probably one hundred fifty two thousand five hundred dollars okay. signing bonus there, much in the same way of uh, Quan Alexander and who else, Marcus Golden mm -hmm. and 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 some of these guys. I I'll be a bit surprised if they ended up paying him more than than those guys. I'm with you. Just want to because I know some people are asking what's the the contract, the literal deal with. Desmond King, and, and we do not yet know officially, but we can take a pretty good guess at it. I do want to talk more about Desmond King. I want to talk about Pat Frymuth's future contract, not for now, but tight end market's been very active this uh, offseason. But before we do that, Dave, uh, football season just about to be back. College football's back this upcoming weekend. Mentioned that's going to be really exciting. Official week one of college football and back as well are our friends over at my bookie. Dave, can you tell them more about my bookie? 
I sure can, uh, especially with uh, my bookie and my bookie.ag being a longtime uh, sponsor of uh, the terrible podcast. We are glad to have them back for football season once again. And Alex, football is back. Mm-hmm. And so is winning season at my bookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit for you. Cash out early and use the funds on another bet or just let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, folks, all you need to do is go to mybookie.ag right now and register for an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TERRIBLE. Terrible is the promo code to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code Terrible to claim your deposit bonus and for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino that they have on the site. So Hmm. uh, as usual, you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only at MyBookie, mybookie mybookie.ag. And once again, do not forget to use promo code Terrible to take a uh, take advantage of those uh, welcome bonuses that they have on the house right now. Welcome back to my bookie uh, to uh, the terrible podcast. For sure, for sure. And some big college football news: ACC officially announcing that Cal, SMU, and Stanford will join the ACC next year in twenty twenty four. So the <laughs> college football realignment continues. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Not my favorite either. But. Uh, as a traditionalist, and uh, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. But it's, uh, you know what, my my answer to all this usually is just follow the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is for sure. But one thing we like more is the Desmond King signing. So to go back to that. I've not been able to watch him as much as probably you have. It's been very busy. I know Josh Carney had a great film room I've been able to go through and um, you know, I know Desmond King has had some tweets about, you know, kind of his official signing and coming to Pittsburgh here. So just any any new impressions, any new thoughts on Desmond King? Feels like it's a move that's been a long time coming. We talked about and you wrote the article back in 2017 that Desmond King, when he came out of Iowa, said that Pittsburgh felt like the best place for him to be. And he seemed super excited to come here. I agree. He's probably more of a slot guy than an outside guy, but he's got that versatility. And that's a good thing to give this defense additional flexibility. Well, I'm glad you dug that. Post, I forgot all. I mean, you've done this so so. You know, you can't remember everything you write mm-hmm. over the years. I knew there was some uh, least uh, sort of link back to him, but I forgot about even writing that post several years ago there. So, uh, and he seems to be absolutely ecstatic to be uh, mm-hmm. uh, with the Steelers at this point now. Uh, as far as uh, Desmond King, uh, the player. The, uh, in, in the all all twenty two from last season, that I've watched uh, and and just you know remembering him over the years, the physicality I think is the first thing that jumps out to me, especially uh, with him at this point uh, of his career. Still a very very physical player. Uh, I think he does a good job, especially against the run. Uh, I think uh, even uh, uh, as a coverage guy. Uh, he does a good job of of getting the uh, getting the uh, the eligible down on the ground. So physicality at this point in his career, I think, is the number one thing uh, that jumps off uh, the tape for me when it comes to him. Uh, he's never been uh, an extremely you know a long speed fast you know kind of guy. Uh, 
you know, the speed really for really, I think since he's come out, has been kind of average overall there. I think he, at this point of his career, and last year, I think he played some inside and outside. I don't know exact reason reason that uh, uh, the switch occurred. Maybe they had some injuries over there and all like that. Now, look, uh, he was out. You know, people are going to say, "All right, uh, why why did the Steelers? If everybody's kind of high on this guy, why did the Texans cut him?" Well, I think he lost that slot battle uh, with a younger. Uh, player over there, first and foremost. Second, he was due to make a base salary of uh, $3 million with the Texans uh, this past year. And if he was going to be a backup and probably not a special teams uh, uh, kind of core guy, uh, uh, that combined with them probably want to make a youth movement over there. I would speculate that they probably tried to trade him just that that $3 million base salary. And I think he's got, he had uh, some sort of like $500 uh, or 500,000 per game roster bonus in there that he can earn uh, based on probably where teams were around the league that could potentially use him versus the money versus the tape probably didn't warrant given, given anything up for him. So he was cut outright uh, with him. Look, this is a guy that's obviously on the backside of his career here. I view him as yet another slot option fit for, for the Steelers that could, it, if you got into a situation, uh, play outside. The change of direction, obviously, in my opinion, uh, uh, isn't uh, what it used to be. I still think he's an incredibly heady player, though. I think, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and <laughs> I put this out on Twitter yesterday. This is going to, Mike Tomlin has yet to be asked about him being added. and. When this does happen, which I don't know when that's going to be, maybe Tuesday, it's going to be a response of, look, this is a guy that we had a relationship coming out of college, had some interest in, uh, blah, 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 like has played a lot of football, and we finally got a, got a chance to circle back to him. So uh, uh, there you go. That's probably going to be Tomlin's response on him. Uh, Just add in the pedigree. You got to. Oh, uh, he loves the word pedigree. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, overall, he was like a fifth round pick, though, wasn't he? When was he drafted? I forget it. Um, was it that late? You're probably right about that. But let me let me double check. Uh, yeah, fifth round pick. But he's you know former All Pro and you know, a lot of experience. Right. So I mean, that's probably more the the pedigree side of things, right? Uh, but. Uh, you know, the, 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 oh, Lita Ford's coming, uh, to Las Vegas. Oh, hmm. Okay. Uh, who's that for, for Lita Ford used to be, uh, Lita Ford, you know, had the, uh, had her solo career back in the highlight of the, uh, hair metal day. Yo, kiss me once, kiss me deadly. You know, that, no uh, nope. uh, well, she was also, <laughs> uh, one of the original members of the runaways. Uh, don't know way, who that way, is. Way, I, way it's all over my head. With Joan Jett and all like that, man, we gotta we gotta up your uh, up your <laughs> up your uh, uh, background on that. But anyway, uh, back to uh, to King. I view him now as a, a, uh, an additional slot player. In fact, probably when when you look at Riley and and, and Chandon Sullivan, probably your best your better slot slot option now of the three. Yeah, I think he summed it up well overall. Um, he's a guy that had 10 tackles for a loss last season. So that's obviously, you know, core, you know, guy that's fitting the run and getting in the backfield and making plays. I don't think Houston was as blitz happy as some of his other, you know, previous stops in uh, with the Chargers, especially early in his career. But Pittsburgh certainly is pretty blitz happy with their 
they're slot guys. That's what, you know, Mike Hilton was. And he was, you know, among league leaders in, in sacks at that three sack game against Houston on Christmas or whatever it was all those years ago. So I think King can, can be utilized there and just has that experience to play outside if you have to, which is certainly not a bad thing overall. So as Mike Tomlin says, don't care about why you're here, how you got here, just that you're here. And so, yeah, you got cut by Houston. I think you laid out the reasons pretty well. That's a rebuilding team. They're getting younger. They got coaching changes. And so a lot of turnover there overall. So the, I'm not as alarmed by his release and what that means as I might be for other players and other situations. The guy's still, what, 28 years old. So there's still some tread on those tires. So, um, you know, I'm not going to pretend like this is going to you know dramatically change the outcome of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it is a, an upgrade, a talented player. With, I think probably a really good scheme fit for what King can do, and what Pittsburgh wants King to do. Yeah, and look, uh, we'll see what the contract says. If it indeed is a veteran benefit contract, that kind of lets you know what the league probably thought about his market value. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had three or four offers out there for the, the, the same contract. And But I, I'm, I'm willing to bet if indeed that was the case, this is a situation of King <laughs> wanting to play for the Steelers, play for Mike Tomlin. You know, you go back to that interview that you mm-hmm. that we referenced there, going back to uh, uh, when, when he came out there. This this guy seems to uh, have all kind of wanted to be a Steeler, and now the stars match up to do that. It's not. Uh, look, I think he's still got some good football in him. I, I'm not sure he's a 700, 800 snap kind of guy. Uh, at, 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 at this point of his career. But I mean, if you, if your idea was to kind of mix and mix and match this, uh, uh, this situation, pretend, uh, and especially, uh, in the slot in different situations here, uh, it gives you a heady player that's played a lot of football. And, and once again, I think his best fit, uh, is, is inside. This is another situation with a Quan Alexander, uh, and, 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 and a Marcus Golden guys that, you know, probably have seen their their their, their better football uh, in their career, but a guy that you know fits your culture and probably fits what you want to do schematically. Uh, you know, uh, uh, supposedly a good locker room guy and all like that as well too. So uh, this is just another instance to kind of go along with the Quan Alexander, uh, uh, Marcus Golden uh, type additions, if you will. And I think it's a middle ground between what Sullivan brings and what Riley brings. I think King is more physical, better against the run, better blitzer than Sullivan. Although I think Sullivan, you know, represented himself well this summer in that regard, but just overall body of work, King is better in those areas. But King's a better coverage guy than Elijah Riley, who's not really a natural slot cover corner. And so maybe you've kind of find the midpoint between, you know, Sullivan did this well, but not that well, and vice versa with Riley. King's kind of that. At probably a better player overall than both those guys, A, and then B, just bringing hopefully the best of, of all worlds there. So I think that's Pittsburgh's calculation. And just kudos to Omar Khan for not, you know, because they could have rolled with Sullivan and Riley, and that would have been acceptable. And we, we, you know, we assume that's how it was going to go. They initially make the 53, but can you always find ways to upgrade and what's out there? And can we find something better? And, you know, let's not give up on Quan Alexander despite, you know, already signing other guys. Let's add him to the mix. You know, let's get Marcus Golden in the mix to, you know, boost depth even more. So just always looking to add kind of a, a head on a swivel approach from Omar Khan's front office to always find ways to 
make upgrades to this roster. Yeah, look, depth, right? And especially, yep. you know, uh, let, let's say it is a, a veteran a veteran benefit contract on top of it. We talk about that all the time, man. You get guys that are experienced, uh, you know, so pet pedigree and guys that fit fit your culture. Uh, sign me up for as many of those guys on veteran benefit contracts that you can get. And it's funny to think about because if we assume that's the contract for King, and very likely it is, I mean, that that's three guys that are on those, you know, veteran benefit contracts that could have really important impacts. I think Matthew sure. Marksy kind of wrote about that today with Golden, Alexander, and King. They're not starters, not going to be stars, not all pro kind of guys, but Golden's going to be really good rotational depth. And Alexander's going to be part of that three-man rotation at inside linebacker. And King, still a little unclear of his role, but he's going to probably see time, especially in the slot. Those are three guys that could have really kind of key niche roles. Demonte Casey last year, kind of a similar situation whenever he got healthy, you know, niche role and dime packages, that became valuable. So if you have your your kind of pillars, your your foundational guys, your Cam Haywards, your TJ Watts, your Micah Fitzpatrick's, and if you can complement that with kind of good, just niche role players, that's when you really put together a great NFL modern defense because you can't have the best of everything. So if you have really good stud players and, and you know, D-line, pass rush, safety, and then add that with good complementary pieces, that's that's a winning model. Look, you look at this defense right now on paper, <laughs> and that, that's all it is right now, but uh, it they got a lot of people that played a lot of football uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 on that unit. And uh, I mean, this this is really shaping up to, you know, at this point right now, I'd, I'd, I'd be disappointed if this isn't a top five defense in the NFL, you know, uh, obviously got to keep a, a lot of these key guys like Minka and TJ Watt and Cam Hayward and all healthy. But I mean, you could go around the league and say that for, yeah. for, for, for any NFL team, but I mean, it, this is to me, this is imp- an impressive uh, defensive unit they've assembled. I just want to, see how the communication looks because it's a veteran group and they're guys that aren't rookies that are new to the NFL and systems and calls and how to adjust, but trying to do that together because it's, it's a lot of new pieces. And some of those pieces are come here a bit later than sooner. And Alexander getting signed about a month ago, it's only been here for a month. It feels like it's been here for a year, but it's been, uh, I think late or early August, he got signed. And then you had Desmond King into that mix. So just how does everything fit? Because you still have some of those miscommunications and growing pains early in the year. I think, again, the 49ers will be a great test in that with their really sound and, and, and good scheme. So that is the one concern. But hopefully the talent will win out in the long run. Right. And, you know, Mike Tomlin even highlighted, you know, a couple of times, uh, even I think most recently with uh, Rich Eisen saying, you know, communication and specifically communication at home on the defensive side of football. So we'll we'll learn more about that right out of the shoot with this team with uh, what two 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 home games right out of the shoot. Right, great point. And yeah, and no one talks about that element. Everyone thinks okay, home game. Yeah, you always have the advantage, and of course you do. But for the crowd noise, it affects the opposing offense. It also affects the defense because it's as loud as for the defense as it is for the offense. So I think it's a really good point for you to bring up and for Tomlin to say that how does a defense handle crowd noise is actually something to really focus on at, at home. Uh, right. Good unit. Good, 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 good unit. Yeah. All right, Dave, let's move now to Pat Frymuth. No contract for him may come next year. Not expecting it to, uh, it can't even happen this year. Correct on Pat Frymuth? Uh, only two years in. Yep. Can't, he has to wait another year. But there's least. a lot of, a lot of things happening on the market surrounding him that may impact his status next year. Earlier this year, we talked about Cole Komet getting his deal with Chicago, and then we knew this was coming, and it officially happened yesterday, maybe at a higher price tag than 
I anticipate it, but I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this, Dave. Minnesota Vikings tight end TJ Hawkinson getting a long-term deal that I believe makes him now the highest paid tight end in football. You can correct me on the details there, but a ton of money for TJ Hawkinson, and that may have a, a trickle-down effect on Pat Fryermuth. As far as the base money goes and how this thing is uh, calculated, uh, it's uh, $16.5 million dollar uh, new money average, and that would rank him second highest paid uh, okay. tight end in the league uh, behind Waller. behind Darren uh, Waller of the uh, of the of the Giants. There, so uh, I mean, <laughs> that's a that's a little bit more than 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 what I thought he would get. Not not much. I, look, I thought he's going to end up in the top five pretty easily here, and and obviously he did it second overall here. Uh, what has he got? Uh, 246 career receptions, over 20, nearly 2,600 yards, 18 touchdowns in the NFL. Obviously, what, on his second team uh, now at this point, and, you know, the delay, and obviously him getting paid was a former first-round draft pick and had his fifth-year option uh, exercise and all like that, so he had a, he had a way a little bit, but uh, it, it certainly paid off with him. So if you look at him now at $16.5 million as the second highest paid uh, tight end in, in, in the NFL right now, and you roll back to you know several weeks ago when, when Cole Komet got paid and his new money average was $12.5 million, that's a $4.5 million uh, uh, dollar new money or $4.5 million in new money average uh, gap between those two. two. And I think uh, Komet uh, 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 at the end of this Hawkinson deal is now tied for the 10th highest paid tight end uh, in the NFL overall. And now you've, now you try to fast forward and say, okay, what does this mean for a guy like uh, uh, Pat Firemuth? Well, as soon as that Cole Komet deal came in, you know, my mind instantly went to, all right, if, if, if Pat Firemuth has a season equal to or better then his first two, which really his first two have been almost pretty close to carbon copies to each other outside mm-hmm. of the touchdown uh, aspect of it. Uh, you know, so, you know, you, you pencil in what another, I don't know what, 60 catches, another, let's say six to 700 yards and let's say five touchdowns uh, for, uh, for, for Pat Farmuth in 2023 stays healthy uh, in the process, you know, a lot of people say, well, what is this concussion history uh, play into all this? Come ask me that question after this season here. This is a big season for him. Third season uh, in, in the NFL to, to, you know, fairly impressive overall uh, seasons in, in the NFL to start with here. Once again, if he puts up numbers similar to or better than he has in the first two years, People, some people are already pushing back. Well, you got you know uh, Washington now and all like that. They they say they it doesn't guarantee that 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 Farmuth gets extended. Look, the Washington addition aside, even in lieu of that, I think if if Farmuth puts up another respectable season here, I I think he is in line to get an extension next year. And from where we sit right now, based on the Cole Komet deal, based on the Hawkinson deal, I think you're looking at somewhere in between a new money average of 12.5 million and 16.5 million. Now, look, if he blows it out, uh, 80 catches, you know, 800 or 900 something yards, seven, eight, nine touchdowns. Could he be in the talk of, of being, you know, second 
or even highest paid tight end in the NFL. I mean, I think that's a push, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to speak in absolutes because he's got this full season ahead of him now. Uh, But I I really feel in my heart of hearts, barring injury and just barring him falling off the cliff uh, at this point, I, I think a year from now, we will have already talked about Pat Firemuth signing in, signing an extension with a new money average greater than that of Cole Komet's and probably right around in the $14, $14 million range. I think that sounds right. Uh, he's been consistent in Pittsburgh, retains their own, and yeah, Darnell Washington is here, but he's yet to play an NFL snap, and we'll just have to see how the, the rookie year goes for him. I, I don't think it's going to really impact Frymuth's uh, you know, chances of an extension or not happening. That's going to come down to more of the, the money and just those those particulars than anything that Darnell Washington does or does not do. Um, I, I think the other interesting element to this is, and I know that we're going to have a long season and so much canon will change. And you have to be careful about you know, predicting things and feeling, feeling like, you know, what's going to happen. But, you know, you also had the post about the uh, future free agents next year for Pittsburgh. And it's not an impressive list overall. There aren't a lot of guys that you're clamoring to pay, you know, it's Levi Wallace at best. And then a bunch of guys that should be pretty cheap. Now, obviously there's outside free agency and all these other, you know, things, but, I mean, there's not really anybody to pay on this roster next year. You're right. Uh, and that list of uh, free agents, look, I mean, you've got guys in there like your long snapper and all, and even even uh, e- even Koontz, you know, uh, would be up for restricted free agency. And you're probably not going to, if you do anything with Koontz, you're probably not going to be, you know, the that number is probably going to be around three million for a restricted free agent. Yeah, Maybe you just they, won't tender him and just sign him. Just sign him for to a to a two yeah. or three year deal, you know, to keep his cap right. number down there. Uh, now you got an interesting exclusive rights free agent potentially, assuming he lasts on the season. Uh, now in, in 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 Dylan Cook, but you know that's all you have to do is tender the minimum there. But as far as the the guys that are right now on paper and look, this list will change by one, two or three uh, sure. and maybe even add to it, you know, depending on how things shake out later in the season, you have to maybe sign someone like a Riley or, you know, uh, off yeah, the I mean, there are guys to sign, but in terms of like spending serious right. money on these right. guys, there really aren't many of those names. No, who, who's, who's potentially the, I mean, look, is Marcus, what's the odds of Marcus Golden being back next year? What's the odds of even a Desmond King being back next year? What's the odds of uh, Quan Alexander? Sure, those guys could return, but are you going to, are we talking about, you know, $5 million new money averages for any of those guys? No, I mean, they're playing on, you know, minimum level contracts this year. Maybe they have a better season. Maybe that produces some sort of higher market, but nothing that's going to, you know, take a big chunk of your cap space. Right. And and even Levi Wallace, you know, what what what's the outlook of him uh, past this year? Yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of the, the biggest name that may cost the most. He's still not going to cost a ton. What, two years, eight million was his contract initially. I think he's played well. I'm a fan of Levi Wallace. It may be something similar should they choose to re-sign him. If they choose to re-sign him, of course, you got Patrick Peterson to sign through next year. And uh, Joey Porter Jr. is going to start here sooner or later. So you, obviously you could sign Wallace and you know, have top three cornerbacks there. But um, he's not breaking the bank either. Right, and then next year's is uh, year one of the new three-year cycle uh, for uh, uh, for the CBA as far as uh, cash versus cap and all. Uh, so you're going to have to spend some. You're probably not going to spend the type of cash that you've spent 
the last two years, but you're still going to have to spend some cash here. Uh, who else is in line to 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 get a deal next year? A big I mean, we'll deal. have the Najee discussion, but we think fifth year option. They're not going to do anything next year, probably with Najee. Right. I mean, and even if they did uh, do a situation that we talked about previously, like uh, like the 49ers did or with uh, like the Panthers did with Christian McCaffrey. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Signing him to a deal before you even get to the fifth year option decision. I mean, what what even kind of money would would that look like for Najee? You know, Uh, uh, you're not talking about break the bank. I mean, that would be another discussion to have. But once Mm -hmm. again, he's going to have to have a a, a big season Uh, that, you know, uh, Firemuth's the only guy, you know. Right. So that that's my point. And so I think that's more reason why we think they'll they'll pay him. They'll have the money to do so, the desire to do so. And I'm sure Frymuth wants to stay in Pittsburgh. So it just makes a lot of sense overall. Although not going to be cheap as you're laying out here. The price has gone up, that's for sure. And, you know, it's uh the tight end market has gotten pretty hot here over the last, you know, six months, if that. All right, let's let's draw the line in the sand uh, in, in, in this and then move on. Uh a year from now, the Monday before the uh or the Friday before the uh, final, you know, the, the final week of the off season next year, will Pat Firemuth have had signed a extension with a new money average of 13 and a half million or greater? Well, I can answer the, will he sign more than I can answer the money, but I'll say yes to both. I will as well. Okay. I mean, Omar Khan has shown he wants to retain his own. He's going to keep right. his guys. They're going to get paid. They're going to get, it's going to be done sooner than later. We're not going through all this crap, uh, lengthy holdings and back and forths. And will he, won't he, and all that kind of nonsense. Omar Khan is very much, here's the offer. Let's get the deal done. Let's take care of it. And let's move on. Exactly. Uh, and once again, you know, fire mood season will, 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 obviously play a big part in that decision, but assuming he stays healthy and puts up a season like he did first two, I I don't see how it doesn't happen. Just a quick sidebar off of that. There was a really interesting article and we had written about this a couple of days ago from the athletic and I forget the exact topic, but it was talking about some of the GMs and and it was an agent, I think based poll and, and commentary and they had really glowing remarks for Omar Khan. And that's the benefit of signing the quote unquote cap guy, because he has such a good working relationship with agents because he's involved in all these contracts that whenever he becomes the GM, obviously those relationships remain. And I think that's probably one reason why these deals have happened pretty quickly because they, they know each other and the agent said that Omar's fair and true to his word. And what did they say? Something like you trust him as the day is long or something like something, you know, fanciful like that. And, and that just speaks to his character and why he became GM. And I think why these deals have happened seemingly without a ton of resistance and none of the messiness that may have happened in the past. He lulls you to sleep, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> the contract. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I like that. The contract. <laughs> oh, um, oh, I wasn't even trying to make a funny oh. pun, but. Oh, Thank I tried to give you up. credit there, so yeah, I'm going. I, I, I will now take, take credit for that. Please uh, do. Ah, that's good. The, the contract. The contract. Okay. Mm. Uh, all right. Uh, to, to, to round this out real quick, let's roll through uh, uh, the potential free agent list as it sits right now. Uh, your yeah. unrestricted guys: Levi Wallace, Montrevious Adams, 
We think Gunnar Olszewski. We'll see if that <laughs> changes here. Uh, Miles Killebrew, Marcus Golden, Quan Alexander, Desmond King, James Pierre, Shandon Sullivan, Armand Watts, Mason Rudolph, Miles Boykin, Elijah Riley, your restricted guys, Christian Kuntz, Anthony McFarland Jr., Chappelle Russell, Rennell Wren. Two of those guys, Russell and Wren, are going to be on IR this year. Uh, and so four uh, four restricted guys and then one exclusive rights guy, as we sit here today, in, 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 in Dylan Cook. Yeah, it's not the most attractive list. Again, some of these guys will be resigned. I'm not arguing to release all these guys next year, not bring them back. But, you know, they're not going to spend a ton of money. And you may see some more roster churn next year, I'm guessing. Right, right. All right, Dave, anything else you want to talk about today? I think I've kind of hit on all the topics I want to get to. If we uh, have nothing else, we can get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. Uh, let me let me roll through real quick, see if we missed anything here. Uh, I think the Steelers are already starting to get, uh, boy, the, gr- the growing respect that this team has gotten from, from the national media over the last couple of weeks has been pretty impressive. Uh, what What is it in some of these, even the NFL.com uh, crew and all like that have already made their picks for the week one game and 60% of them have had the Steelers to uh, to win in week one against the 49. Wouldn't that be a stand? And look, it wouldn't be out of character for Mike Tomlin, right? Uh, uh, guy, you know, you go into week one, uh, Mike Tomlin's team against a tougher team that, that that's not favored and uh, pulls off uh, the W there. Uh, boy, the 49... This thing is shaping up, though, and and obviously we got a week ahead of us to to, to kind of preview this thing. But man, the, uh, 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 George Kittle dealing with some sort of groin abductor strain or something mm. like that to start the week. Already, they've got a kicker situation. They're going to have to go through. You got the whole uh, uh, Brock Purdy coming off of uh injury thing. The kicker uh, situation is kind of a mess right now. Yeah, for them. Jo- uh, Bosa. Uh, what's yeah. you know? Uh, even e- even though you look, I I think I think the general consensus is that both is good. Bosa is going to get done here uh, in this next week, but. He hasn't played any football yet. Yeah, it's probably not going to take him a lot of time to ramp up, but could that still result in him being on on, on a pitch count, so sure. to speak, uh, sure. in, 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 in week one here? Uh, uh, even uh, Hufunga's got, had some sort of, uh, what did they call that thing behind the knee that he's got? Uh, some cyst or something. Uh, that that they don't think it's serious, but it, it's caused. Uh, yo, you look at this in totality, and you look at the Steelers roster, and and you look at uh, how healthy this team is. This is sort of kind of like a perfect storm uh, brewing here uh, when it comes to this Week One game. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it much. I still think about when it comes to San Francisco, their right tackle situation. You know, is Colton McKivitz really been named their starter? I mean, is TJ Walking to wear him like a hat Week One? I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but. That's the thing I thought about with the 49ers is TJ Watt against whoever's right tackle for the Niners just because they lose McClinchy to Denver, and I don't think they really ever adequately replaced them. All right. They still got that big house Trent, <laughs> Trent oh, yeah. Williams on, on the other, other side. I, I'd run that way if I was them. <laughs> yeah. uh, th- there's my expert analysis for you there. Uh, are, are, are the Steelers really worth only $4.63 billion? Forbes came out with their evaluations for the uh, 2023 NFL teams. For If Washington's going to sell for $6 billion, I know you know Pittsburgh may be, I guess, comparatively a smaller market, quote-unquote, but Pittsburgh's got to be worth more than that, aren't they? That's a lot of zeros. I don't yeah. know. That's uh, 
getting into not, not that they're for sale. No one's saying they're for sale, but I just think if they yeah. were to be sold. Getting into I, I see where you're coming from though, but but and I you know I, I'm obviously behind on on NFL team valuations and, and everything that goes into that though. But I mean, look, you just any just the the fan base and the way they buy merchandise and the draw and the TV attraction and international appeal, the international yeah. appeal. Uh, it it does make it feel like that's a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> right. If there okay. is a, uh, why don't you why don't you go see what you got? In your pi- piggy. I was gonna say there. yeah. Scrounge around your couch cushions for four point six three billion and uh, write Mister Rooney a check. Now look, uh, uh, Thomas Toll. Evidently, there's a there's that report that he's wanting to, with, with these Harris sales uh, shares, mm-hmm. and and I think even another uh, uh, part minority owners uh, went went over to the commanders too, right? Uh, that's having to sell yep. uh, some shares as well too. Is there any way this does at, down the road that a guy like Toll ends up being? In other words, is there any how any way that this isn't Rooney owned at some point? I mean, they're building a succession plan for Rooney the second, and I, I lose track of my Rooney's here. I believe his name is Daniel Martin Rooney. I want to say I know Matthew's written about him a time or two, and that seems to be the heir to you know to become the next team president. So I assume you know it's going to be held through him for the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 plus years. But could somebody like a Thomas Tull increase his share? I mean, he's trying to, obviously, right now, because Josh Harris, who owned, so I think, 5% in Pittsburgh, has to sell that in order to, you know, own the uh, Washington Commanders. So uh, Tull, I think, is a Pittsburgh guy, pretty recognizable name, film industry, that type of stuff. So my belief, it's still going to be under Rooney control for a long, long time. But I guess you can never rule things out, especially whenever that transition transition happens from, you know, Rooney II to... The next Rooney, does that shake anything up? Who the heck knows? Right. Uh, so in other words, you're telling me in my lifetime it should 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 stay under Rooney control, right? I'm pretty pretty confident in that. But I think you're going to live until like you're 200. I think you're going to be an oh. internal presence working the salary cap. So you know, I, I think lifetime's a, a relative term. Don't you put that kind of voodoo on my <laughs> wife? We need we need yeah, <laughs> we need cap stuff, Dave. You can't go. All right. Okay. Let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. Let us do it. Let me go to the email machine here. And we will start with uh, Brian DeKecko, I think. He says, Gentry's blocking decline. I heard you mention a decline in Gentry's blocking last year. I'm guessing that decline, at least in part, led to the team to have more of an interest in Washington during the draft and ultimately to release Gentry this year. Seems he says it seems odd that blocking would fall off from one year to the next for a guy uh, Gentry's age uh, and size. Did you see something change in his technique, how defenders were defeating his blocks, or did he just seem to lose the will to be a good blocker? Maybe the, there's something you saw in, in watching the tape. Appreciate you guys. Brian, he says uh, he's got, he does some analytics as well too. Wants me to get uh, in touch with him here from, uh, from Carnegie. He's a Carnegie um, uh, Mellon University guys. So okay. he's like nine times, probably 19 times smarter than us. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, here, Brian, I, I will say this Gentry has never been uh, uh, considered a hugely great blocker. In fact, I I dare say he he barely reached average in my viewpoint. Now, not last year, but the year before, I thought there was a, you know, a, a slight step forward for him, but I did think there was a slight, whatever that gain was last year, I thought it was declining. It just, you know, some, some 
big guys in size and all like that doesn't necessarily equate to them going to be a good blocker. Did I say, you know, I'll defer to Alex a little bit more on this. I mean, hand usage and all like that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't notice a huge, you know, uh, uh, decline in, in, in anything as far as, you know, schematics and, in, in him technique or anything like that. It's just, he's never been a great blocker. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm with you. I think two years ago he was a better blocker. Why did that seem to regress a bit last year? I'm not sure. I wouldn't say he lost the will or anything like that. I wouldn't go nearly that far. It just may be some tough matchups and just maybe some technical stuff that could have been cleaned up or you know, maybe he's dealing with an injury we don't know about. I mean, a million different factors. And so those guys just you know, have better years than other years. I mean, that's just kind of the ebb and flow of, of, of you know sports careers. So it's hard to say for sure, but... Gentry was never a dominant blocker. And so that probably, you know, had he been a Matt Spath type, he probably sticks and stays, at least as insurance and a backup plan. But um, since he wasn't at that level, then he became more expendable. Look, he's still out there as a free agent at this point, right? Yeah, he still is. Um, and probably we'll try to catch something once injuries start to pile up here in season. Right. I mean, uh, I mean that that tells you a lot about what what teams I think around the NFL think of him e- even at this point. Now he he's likely to end up on another roster at some point, as you said. Uh, Luke Weaver. Uh-oh, uh oh, you'll like this one, Alex. It's a special teams uh, question Ooh, here. Okay. Uh, Luke Weaver writes in. I hear you refer to players that are that are or aren't special teams capable. This is so critical for bottom of the roster guys making the fifty three. But what makes a good special teams player, and how do you evaluate it he says do you check and see how many snaps the guy has taken on special teams in college or nfl or is it something that you can evaluate through tape is it a technique thing with offensive players needing to learn to tackle and natural defenders needing to learn to uh, better blocking is it more athleticism and conditioning needing to have speed and stamina to sprint the length of the field quickly many times per game or is it just the want to desire uh to stick your fan in the face he says basically what makes killabrew and boykin excellent special teams players but below average at safety and receiver and would an all-star like Minka or Deontay automatically be fantastic special teamers but they don't play there just because of injury and stamina concerns or there or is there more to it thanks for your entertaining content I would like to answer Luke's question first Alex sure go uh, ahead and say yes yes that's the uh, correct answer uh and I think Luke I think you I think you've hit on a lot on this here. Look, coming out of college, it obviously helps if they've done anything in college special teams. I think that's that's initially when 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 the Steelers draft some of these guys, we immediately kind of run and try to find out what you know uh, guys later round guys do they have any special teams uh, uh, ability. in the NFL, you always look at, you know, when you sign a player, you, you look and see how many snaps they played on special teams. Uh, body types and, and positions usually play a lot into this. Your wide receivers in your corners generally are the type of guys that end up being gunners and vice players. Uh, their ability to get, you know, a guy like Boykin specifically is so good at getting off of the line, defeating vices and getting James Pierre, uh, getting downfield and those aspects there, your linebackers and, and, and safeties, uh, your miles Killebrew just have that kind of grit, uh, 
uh, especially if they're going to be an up back, they got to be able to read stuff and, and be able to uh, be that last line of defense, almost like if you're a blitz pickup uh, 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 kind of guy there. Your offensive linemen generally are obviously, or defensive linemen are on, on field goal teams or one or two of them might be on, 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 on a kickoff coverage or, or, or return team. Uh, want to is a big part of this uh, overall. I mean, Luke, I mean, you, you, you really laid it out good there. Alex, anything to add to this? No, not much. I think you said it well, Luke. I think you laid it out perfectly. I, I would say the number one thing overall is that one-two, that buy-in for special teams, because that may be the difference between the guy that makes it and the guy that doesn't. And I think about, you know, a, a Benny Snell. That's the guy I always go back to because I think it's such a perfect example. I mean, he in college, he was the guy. He was big man on campus at Kentucky. They upset Florida. He sets all those records, one of the best most productive runners in SEC history and then goes to the NFL and is running down kicks and punts, but takes the same pride in that and developed himself into a really quality core special teamer. So how do you evaluate that? It can be tough in college because often these guys aren't playing on special teams. They're starters in college and they become, you know, special teamers at the NFL level. So you may look early in their college career if they were freshmen trying to, you know, get a hat and work the way up the ladder the way that, that they do in the NFL. You may look at all-star games, senior bowl, shrine bowl. Did they play special teams there? I remember Chase Claypool. That was the, the, the comment that Kevin Colbert made when they drafted him, what he did as a blocker and some of those drills and um, on special teams, you might kind of get a, a, a glance there, but um, you know, it's, I think it really comes down to, to desire and putting in the time. As you said, I remember Danny Smith at camp this year, telling the offense and the tackling drill, Hey, you guys got to work at this a lot more than the defense because the defense tackles every day. You got to put an extra time because you guys don't tackle as often. So it's really about one, two and tape study desire, but of course, hand use block shed athleticism, overall tackling technique. Th- those things are really important too. Right. So it is everything, but I think it comes down to your desire and one, two that probably defines those guys. Look, it's uh. It, it's fun to go through that all 22 tape during the season, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I just had the clip in the preseason, you know, it's the finale Connor Hayward, just blowing up a, a, a blocker on, on kick coverage. doesn't have to make that play. It's preseason. Not going to matter that much, but dude's just, you know, a gamer. All right. Uh, we should know who the uh, captains are on this team here fairly soon, right? Yeah. I think they always do it the week of the week one, um, usually that, you know, Tuesday when, well, they're off Tuesday, but probably that Wednesday, I think they vote. So, I mean, we assume, you know, Cam and Kenny and Caleb Brew and probably someone else. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, I got through all the questions there. I think that's, uh, got us wrapped up here for today. Anything else you'd like to add? Nope. Well, well uh, uh, on, on Monday, we're going to probably try to have a round a round table discussion with our, all of our full-time guys and get their thoughts on the 2023 Steelers, get some record predictions and, and you know, uh, weaknesses, strengths, and just where, where, where the rest of our guys are. So that should be a entertaining. Uh, we'll have more cap uh, info and obviously maybe more practice squad uh, guy info and all like that to, uh, to fill in that Monday show there. So that should be an entertaining show. And I think on Wednesday – uh, probably have our, uh, uh, predictions for the season and hopefully we're going to try to effort a, uh, 49ers beat rider, right? Yeah. Well, we're back in football season, man. So Monday hit the ground running should be a really good show and will be a good week and heck San Francisco will be here before you know it. So can't wait for all that. 
All right. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Streeters Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad-free button up right navigational bar. Once again, thank you, everybody, for listening, whether it be podcast or YouTube or or however you uh, uh, interact uh, with us on on on. on that media side, Twitter and, and, and all like that. And uh, special thanks to uh, everybody uh, who goes to the site because we had a, a record uh, month, uh, all time record month of August on that as well, too. And Alex, you you obviously uh, get a lot of uh, 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 thank yous for that, for the job that you did in training camp. And, and obviously our staff play a big part of that. Uh, play a big part in that as well too. just tireless work over the month of August. And so thank you to uh, everybody uh, staff and, and readers and mm-hmm. listeners and all like that. And, you know, we look forward to bringing this 2023 season to everybody. So uh, in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.